everybody. Welcome to With Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. I'm your resident kid, Zachary James, from Los Angeles, California. I may be 11 years old, but I have big concerns for our future. We, the children, are being punished for what our ancestors have done to our world for centuries. Decades of policymakers and big corporations have made billions at the expense of my generation's future. And the worst part? They've escaped consequence. Until now. Each week, we will discuss the most pressing climate issues and meet climate warriors who are working to protect our planet. You'll get wacky weather reports, play fun trivia games, and learn ways that you can make a difference in your community. We may not have all the answers, but we will fight for climate solutions. That's why I'm recording this podcast instead of playing with my friends. Let's get to work. On with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to We the Children. I'm so glad you're here. We have a great show for you today. We are going to hear from colossal composter Nick Kiss. He's going to play some trivia with us and reveal what the heck the Bokashi method is and why it's the single best thing you can do to save the planet, right from your own home. This week's wacky weather report is out of this world. As always, stick around to the very end to hear the important action step of the week. So, without further ado, let's get to my interview with Nick. Take it away. We are so excited to have Nick Kiss on the show today. Nick is the founder of Bokashi Living. He is a farmer as well as a gardener who is passionate about fermenting and composting food to maintain healthy soil. Nick's company has developed an innovative way to ferment and compost your food, even in an urban setting, and you don't have to be a farmer to do it and reduce your food waste footprint. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hello. Hi, Zach. All right, here's our first question, Nick. Tell us a little bit about your background. I spent a lot of years in the waste and recycling industry, driving around the streets, picking up all of the trash and the recycling. All we ever had was one big garbage bin, and everybody put everything into the garbage bin. There was no recycling. And today, it's very different. Hopefully, your garbage bin is the smaller piece of your system, and the recycling bins take most of it. And then it slowly started getting picked away and changed. And recycling got pulled out of the garbage. And then our trucks had to change so that we could pick it up as recycling along with the waste. And so I come from that industry. What got you into composting? And why is it such an important solution? Well, I was part of the system where originally everything was garbage. And very slowly, they started to identify that things could be recycled. And it shouldn't really be considered garbage. The first thing they identified was cardboard that cardboard was something that should not be going into the garbage because we can recycle it now. And then a few years later, they said, well, hey, you know what? We can recycle paper and paper products. So they took that out of the garbage and started to enforce bans on that being in the garbage. Hey, we can also take glass out of the garbage. And that proceeded to go on for a number of years. And they identified plastics and drinking bottles and pop cans and things like that. And then they identified electronic waste. And depending on where you live, but in most bigger cities now, we're seeing this, that the garbage portion of what's left of that originally quite large waste stream has been picked away. And the very last thing that I saw that they decided to take out of the garbage stream where I live was food waste. And I always thought that that food waste should come out first because for hundreds of years, people have recognized the value of food waste. So what's so bad about food in the trash anyway? 
Well, it's not your individual food impact, it's all of our food waste collectively, piling up in the landfill and rotting. The act of rotting actually produces carbon dioxide and methane gas, which are both major contributors to greenhouse gases, which in turn accelerate the climate change problem. If we don't actually put the food waste in our trash bins and compost instead, we are preventing those gases from entering the atmosphere. Can you explain the process and science of fermentation of food waste? Well, fermentation really is just microbes at work. The world is full of microbes, and microbes really just are microscopic organisms that we can't see, but they're all around us, and they're everywhere in nature. And microbe, microorganisms really, really, really love sugars and carbohydrates, and sugars and carbohydrates are what are present in our food waste. If you took a plate of your dinner last night, and let's say you didn't eat it, and instead you put it on the counter and just left it there in the warm kitchen, maybe even in the sunshine, what do you think that would look like after three or four days or five days? I bet you, you would start to see it go moldy and start to rot. And really, mold and rotting is just microbes. And the mold you see is those microbes multiplying and thriving on on the sugars and the carbohydrates that are in the food waste. It just so happens that those microbes aren't really beneficial to us as humans. They're not the ones that we want. But it so happens that there's a whole host of different kind of microbes that when they get to the food waste, instead of rotting it, they start a fermentation action. And so it's really just a set of microbes that is thriving off of the sugars and carbohydrates in the food waste, and by doing so, initiate fermentation to the food waste. An example of fermentation would be pickling. You can take a cucumber, put it into a container and add the right ingredients, and the cucumber will turn into a pickle. It still looks very similar to a cucumber, but now it's chemically different as a pickle. So what we're doing with the composting our food waste and fermenting it first, which is the Bokashi method, is we're really just adding the proper microbes to our food waste in our kitchens, in our houses. And that fermentation action that gets started from those microbes, it actually outcompetes the rotting microbes. And it so happens that once food waste or any, any foods starts to ferment, then the rotting microbes they're not interested in it anymore. They don't want it. They won't come. So fermenting foods is a way of preserving foods as well. And before we had refrigeration and in the older times, in the old days, that's what people used to do. They would ferment their food so that it would preserve it throughout the winter until next year's crops were harvested. Fermented foods, it does good things for us, but it so happens that garden soil microorganisms love it as well. So in your garden soil, there is lots of life in there. And you may see it. Sometimes you'll see worms and you'll see bugs. But there is so much more that you can't see. It's teeming. Healthy soil is teeming with life. And that healthy soil and that life in there loves fermented foods. So we can actually feed them our fermented food waste. And in doing so, really, really help the soil structure. And that's composting. How does the Bokashi brand speed up the process of fermentation? Bokashi really actually is a Japanese word. And in Japanese, Bokashi means 
fermented matter. So when we say Bokashi composting, which is what I do and what I'm trying to teach people to do is Bokashi composting. It's a style of composting, which really is just geared towards fermenting our food waste so that we can get it into the ground and help our gardens and our plants that live in it. And the Bokashi system really is just, we supply the microbes that you want and that you need to start the fermenting because you need to attract those correct microorganisms. And there's also in the Bokashi, there's also some yeasts and some fungi that we add to it, which are microorganisms as well, just different kinds. And these yeasts and fungi are proven to be very beneficial in the garden soil setting. Soil biologists are really now understanding that plant roots need microorganisms in order to thrive and be healthy. There is a relationship between them where each one benefits one another. So in your soil, microbes are really the magical ingredient. It's the microorganisms that initiate that fermentation. So we supply the microbes, you, the homeowner, the gardener, the keen person to try to be a part of the solution that we all need and want, supply your food waste, you have that already, and then you put the two together and now you're Bokashi composting. Yeah, that's cool. So would you say fermentation speeds up composting? I would say it does tremendously. The rotting microbes are quicker. They're faster. They'll get to it first. And when they take over, nobody else can get in. So starting fermentation beats out those guys. And like I mentioned earlier, fermented foods taste great to you and me. There's lots of benefits. We can do lots of things with fermentation to make food awesome. And it so happens that those garden, the soil microorganisms and small life that we see in the soil, they love fermented food waste as well, but they don't love so much unfermented food. So if you took out your dinner from last night and just put it into your garden, chances are it will start to rot before the garden microorganisms would find any enjoyment in it. And then once it's rotted, they don't like it any more than you do. So fermenting it makes it appealing to them. So yeah, it really, really speeds up and makes the process more effective. This just in, we interrupt this interview for a special wacky weather report. almost cut my ear. Oh, hello there, Earthlings. Waldo here, reporting to you live from outer space for today's episode. I came up here to catch the Leonid meteor shower. Heard of it? Well, me neither. But I got really excited when I heard that you could watch the fastest meteors around during the month of November. So, I hopped in my, <laughs> flying fried egg and blasted into the atmosphere. Much to my delight, I've been watching a meteor storm with 10 to 20 meteors zooming around every hour. A meteor is a space rock that bursts into flames as it enters Earth's atmosphere. Many people refer to these meteors as shooting stars. The Leonid meteors travel in the opposite direction of Earth's rotation. This practically creates a head-on collision with the atmosphere as they collide, creating a beautiful show for all you stargazers below. They move fast, too, so watch out. The Leonid meteors reportedly speed through the sky at 44 miles per second. So get out some binoculars and pop some popcorn, 
and maybe film the full thing in slow-mo, too. If you look closely, you might even see me soaring through the atmosphere. Feel free to say hi. Let's see our wacky weather forecast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Back to our interview with Nick Kiss. Why is fermentation a good solution for people who live in urban areas where space is an issue? That's a really good question, Zach. So I think it's a great solution because people who live in urban areas don't have a lot of space. See, if you're somebody who lives in an urban setting or an apartment that doesn't have much space, you can't do composting very well. It's much more challenging. But it's not challenging to ferment your food waste. If you have a kitchen and a place where food waste is being generated, it's really easy to collect it separately, put it into a separate container, and add the special microbes that help the fermentation and ferment the food waste. And then your challenge, I suppose, from there is, well, what do I do with that food waste once it's fermented? You know, do I get the benefit from it? Can I put it in my garden somewhere? Or do I have to maybe uh, give it to somebody else's garden? So we help people who live in apartments. We help them through the process of of, uh, actually feeding it to their plants. And you can do that. Most people who live in an apartment have plants in there. And those plants are just like any plants out there. They need good soil structure so they can put their fermented food waste properly done into their plants or maybe go to their mom and dad's house and put it into their garden because for sure those people would appreciate it. What concerns you the most about climate change? Mm. I think what concerns me most is that there's so many people who think that their own individual actions don't amount to much. In other words, they're not willing to do their part. And I think What those people need to understand is that their actions really do matter. The world population can't behave that way. We don't all have the luxury to not care. So it's important to realize, I think, that our individual actions, individually, yes, it's not much. But if we all make a contribution and an effort to be more sustainable, it makes a massive, massive difference. Because there's more than 7 billion people on the planet. And collectively, we are the solution. It rests in us. And I I just really wish that more people saw it that way, too. Actually, you said over 7 billion. Actually, by the end of 2023, there will be 8 billion people on the planet. Right. And probably growing, too, right from there. And those are huge numbers. I think it's hard for you and I to sit back and really appreciate what a large number that is. But let's face it, you want to eat three meals a day and I want to eat three meals a day and we all want to have some nice comforts in our home and we all would like to have a family car and a home to live in. And when you multiply that across 8 billion people, it's more than the earth can really provide for us. So we all just have to step back a little bit. And it doesn't mean you have to live with less, I think. I think it just means that you need to live more consciously. And be less wasteful. There's enough out there for all of us if we manage it wisely, I think. Here's our last question. What gives you the most hope about our climate? Well, you guys do. Your generation does. Because you are the ones who are inheriting this world. And you are the ones who are quite aware that there's problems out there that's coming towards us. And I'm really sorry to tell you but it's my generation and even my parents' generation 
who were the ones who are leaving it for you in this way. So what gives me great hope is that you at your age are much more aware than I was at your age and much, much, much more aware than my father was at your age. And so you guys are the ones who are going to bring change to this world. I hope that you're not just going to change your own behavior, but I hope that you can change maybe your parents' behavior a little bit too. And I find that once you become aware, once one becomes aware that there's a problem out there and aware about how certain actions that they do contribute to that problem, it's very hard to forget that awareness. So just remind your parents every now and then how important that is. And hopefully you'll make them aware too. Well, thanks for coming on, Nick. You're welcome, Zach. Such cool information. Head to bokashiliving.com for more info on how you can reduce your food waste and become a climate changer. And now, it's time to test your compost IQ. You ready, Nick? Let's get right into it. All right, here's our first question. Which founding father was a big fan of composting? Was it A, Thomas Jefferson, B, Alexander Hamilton, C, George Washington, or D, James Madison? Well, okay, considering I'm Canadian, I don't know your founding fathers as well as you do. But two of them stand out to me. So Thomas Jefferson, of course, I've heard and I know a bit about him and George Washington as well. And I can say that I've never heard about composting in the same sentence with them. And because of that, I think I'll pick the one that I know the least about, which would be Alexander Hamilton. Well, we forgot that you were Canadian. (laughs) Um. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm most curious. What's the answer? I'd love to know. That's a great question. The answer was George Washington. George Washington. Okay. George Washington (laughs) was an avid composter and performed experiments to find the best way to turn dung into compost. All right. Here's our next question. What percent of wasted food was composted in the year 2018? A, 4.1%. B, 15.7%. C, 14.3%, or D, 96%. Mm. Definitely not 96%, because we wouldn't be having this conversation if 96% of the food waste out there, people were doing the right thing. And I bet you we wouldn't be having this conversation if 46% of it was. So I think it's one of the first two, either 4.1% or 15.7%. And The optimist in me, the hopeful one, is going to say that it's 15.7%. The more, the better. Unfortunately, it was 4.1%. Oh, man. So there you go. That's why we're talking, Zach. That's why it's an important thing for people to consider in their fight for climate change. It's the easiest thing in our toolbox, really, that we can actually make a big difference with. Because we're only recycling four point or composting four point one percent of it. Luckily, it does seem to be going up in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Here's next question: What creature is the most helpful with the composting process? Is it A an ant, B a beaver, C a worm, 
or D, a hummingbird? Hmm. Well, okay. So if we think about composting, and I think I mentioned this a few times, composting is really an activity to try to feed the soil and to build the soil structure. So who spends the most time in the soil out of those ones? In it, not on it or above it. The ant is on it. So he's probably not building the soil too much. Maybe a little bit. The beaver, he's kind of in the water. So no, not him. The hummingbird is flying around, contributing to the soil a little bit. But I think the worm is the one that lives in the soil. And he eats and breathes and does everything down there. So I think I think it's him who's the responsible, the worm. Correct. Worms are known to dig tunnels to allow better air and water circulation within the compost. There you go. Yeah. Go worms. All right. Here's our last question. Egyptian queen Cleopatra did what to encourage composting amongst the ancient Egyptians? Was it A, hire an army of worms to compost her waste? B, make it illegal not to compost? C, refuse to eat anything that was difficult or not possible to compost? Or D, make worms a sacred species because of their composting abilities? Can I say all of the above? Because those are all great reasons to get us to compost. Hey, if I could go out and choose A, which is to hire an army of worms to compost her food waste, I would do it too. And I've never heard of anybody doing it. So I don't think she did it. And then we all kind of forgot how to do that. So it's not that one. Make it illegal not to compost. That's a great one. But in most of our towns, most of us across America, it's not illegal to compost, to, to not compost. So I don't think that that is it. And uh, refuse to, okay, here we go. Refuse to eat anything that was difficult to compost. Hmm. Well, I think, I think anything can be composted because, as I mentioned, composting is really just microorganisms doing the work, worms eating it. So the answer D, which was make worms a sacred species because of their composting abilities, I think that's a great one. And I'm going to choose that. Correct. They would all be good options, though. Yeah. You see, in 50 B.C., Cleopatra made the removal of earthworms from Egypt a crime punishable by death because of their composting ability. Wow. See, you kids should should get on that one and, and tell everybody and maybe maybe get the get the leaders to do the same thing now. See, the way I see it when you say this, if I may, is that Egypt is a country of very sandy area, right? Let's face it, you don't see worms at the beach too often. That's not a good environment for them. So in Egypt, they had to feed themselves, which means they had to grow food. But it's hard to do that in sand. So they needed healthy soil. So they recognized, this is how I think it, it must be, that they recognized that worms actually are really good at building soil. And so that's why Cleopatra did what she did. I love it. I like her even more now, I think. Good for her. Yeah, that could be it. Mm-hmm. Coming on, Nick. Hey, really nice to chat with you, Zach. And like I say, I mean it wholeheartedly and sincerely. You and your generation and the people listening to this podcast, you guys are the solution. You're, you are aware of the problem. You're aware of what to do to fix it. 
your challenge is going to be to keep everybody focused and really educate your parents, educate your friends, educate your grandparents, spread the word, tell them that you're going to be growing up into this world that we are all leaving behind for you and that we all created part of this problem for you. So you guys, you'll fix this, but just stay focused on it and be really positive the whole way through. Don't let it get you down. Thank you. You're welcome. Great game, Nick. So before we wrap up, let's get to the action step of the week. Let me just grab a quick snack. Mmm, this lemonade is so refreshing. Oh, this chip is delicious. Wow, Zach, looks like you're really enjoying your snacks. What are you going to do with all those leftovers? Oh, hey Claire, I've been thinking a lot about how to reduce my food waste. I love to eat and enjoy all my meals, but so much food is wasted in the U.S. every day. Between 30 and 40% of food in the U.S. is thrown out or wasted each year, according to the Department of Agriculture. That's about 133 billion pounds and 161 billion dollars. I hate seeing food go to waste, knowing that resources like water, time, and agriculture are just being thrown away. Not to mention the millions of hungry people all around the world facing food insecurity. It's important for us as individuals to be mindful of what we consume when it comes to food, but also for big corporations, grocery stores, and food producers to cut down on waste themselves. Great point. What are some ways that everyday people can reduce their food waste? Well, here are some tips to incorporate into your daily life. 1. Eat your leftovers. You should always make a point of consuming leftovers whether you go to cook or to a restaurant. Freezing leftovers is a great way to extend their shelf life. 2. Buy ugly food. Those funny looking fruits and veggies you see in the produce bin at the grocery store may look odd on the outside, but are probably perfect on the inside. Misshapen or off-color items are often overlooked or thrown away at the end of the day. Don't be afraid to buy them at the grocery store. There are even companies that rescue these imperfect foods for you and ship them straight to your door. 3. Be a smart shopper and buy wisely. Take an inventory of your pantry and fridge before going to the supermarket to make sure that you're not doubling up on food that you already have. Also, don't overbuy. Better to make an extra run to the store than to have extra food in store. 4. Compost, compost, compost. Everybody can and should be composting at home. Companies like Lomi and Bokashi make special containers that do some of the work for you. There are even cheap countertop solutions like a tin bucket with holes at the top. As you learned from Nick, composting is an excellent way to reduce food waste. You always have the best advice, Zach. Thanks for the tips. Remember, don't waste your time trying to be perfect. Small, everyday efforts go a long way. Well, that's our show, folks. Eat, drink, and be composting. Thank you for tuning in to We the Children podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, like, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Don't hesitate to reach out for story ideas, questions, or concerns at We the Children podcast. Remember, if we act together, we, the children, can inspire hope and create change for a climate.
Tune in next time for more climate content. Now if the planet is warming, we try to stay cool. This is Zachary James, signing off. Thank you.